When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. They walk bowls full green, smashes it down the ground and lands just safe of the mid-on. And he starts with a four. O'Rourke bowls to him, green at the wide ball, clouts it out through the offside and he'll beat wide extra cover and get the boundary to go to 99. And Cam Green with two balls to go in the day's play is on 99. O'Rourke bowls to him, green cuts, that's gold for Cam Green. He cuts the boundary and brings up his century for this day, for this test, but for the future. This is the coming of age innings. Yeah, it's a fantastic performance by Cameron Green. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years, and Nutrien Ag Solutions, going further for Australian farmers. Great news today regarding Cameron Green. He remains there, not out, uh, and will be there when day two gets underway tomorrow in Wellington in New Zealand. He's 103, not out. He's faced 155 balls and he has hit 16 fours in what has been a very good knock, considering uh, he came in when Marnus Labashain was dismissed for only one. It was two for 65 at that stage. Then he saw Kawaja go three for 88. And when Travis Head went for one, the Aussies in a little bit of trouble at four for 89. Uh, Mitch Marsh came to the crease at number six. Uh, He steadied the ship. He made 40. Uh, before he was gone, and by that time, Australia had made 156. Uh, Cameron Green came in at the fall of the second wicket and remains not out, with only Josh Hazelwood, uh, who's yet to face a ball, will come to the crease tomorrow. So a great performance by Australia. They finish in the end after being sent into bat on a bit of a green top at nine for 279. Nine for 279. Smith made 31. Kawaja 33. As I mentioned, Mitch Marsh 40. And the others didn't get going. Manus Labashain, the acid's on him now. He only made one. Travis Head coming in at number five only made one. Mitchell Stark uh, at the top of the bowlers. He made nine. Pat Cummins, 16. And by the way, wicketkeeper batsman Alex Carey at number seven made 10. Nathan Lyon was dismissed just before stumps 
0.45. So for the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Uh, opinions that inspire. My opinion is leave Cam Green alone now because I know there's been a lot in the eastern states, again, targeting Cameron Green. And there's even been some self-doubters around Perth, around Western Australia, sensing, is this kid the real thing? He's going to be a late maturer. He's going to be a late mature. I think Cam Green's only about 24 years of age at the moment. And when you look at Usman Khawaja, who's in his mid-30s, Steve Smith in his mid-30s at the top of the Australian batting order, he's got plenty of time, Cam Green, in to develop what could be a very exciting all-rounder, batting at number four and, of course, uh, being bold at strategic times uh, for Australia in test matches. Congratulations to him. That was a terrific knock. It wasn't easy out there early. And to get through the whole day, 103 not out, showed a maturity. And as we've always said, there's never been any problems in doubting Cam's Green's ability from what we've seen with WA at Sheffield Shield level. It was more a case of whether he could do it at the next level and being consistent at the next level. And I think today in his second test century, he showed just that. So uh, well done to Cameron Green. That was a great knock today. And this is what he said, actually, after today's play. Cameron Green. Cameron, a second test match, 100. How does that feel? Yeah, obviously feels really good. Um, I think mainly um, just for where we are with the team. Um, obviously, it was a pretty tough wicket out there. Um, and I felt like the boys played pretty well. And just one of those days. And I think someone just needed a bat through. So, yeah, I was glad it was me. It wasn't an easy day with the bat. There was plenty of help for the bowlers right throughout the day, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, and I sort of felt like in the probably the 20th over, it started to come back even more um, than probably maybe the first 20. So... Um, yeah, it was nice to kind of stick it, um, stick out there and, um, yeah, hopefully put a semi-competitive total on the board. Yourself and Mitch Marsh put together a nice partnership. That just steady the ship for a while. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I was finding it quite tough out there and I'm pretty happy. Um, I kind of know how Mitch is going to play. Um, I've obviously played quite a lot of times with each other in, in uh, Western Australia, so I knew he was going to, yeah, play his shots and that's probably what you need to do out there. How do you feel? Do you feel that there'll still be some help for the fast bowlers even tomorrow on the surface? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think speaking to a lot of the guys, it's a lot about the overheads. So um, I think we have to wake up tomorrow morning and, and see what the overheads look like. Some cramps at the end of the day. That's always a good thing when you've been batting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not ideal. Um, but, yeah, you always got to work through it. And I was pretty lucky at the end of the day. It was pretty close. So, yeah, just stuck it through. Where do you see this match right now? Yeah, pretty close. I reckon they're probably just on top. Um, they've got, obviously, a pretty quality batting lineup, and, um, yeah, we've got to bowl well tomorrow. Congrats on a wonderful night well played. Awesome. Thank you. Well done, Cameron Green. And as we continue the sports update for your local tyre power store uh, for a free tyre safety inspection, by the way, there are over 50 stores across WA when it comes to tyre power. Mitch Marsh uh, made 40 today, and he also spoke. He went for a shot that probably wasn't quite there. It was just short, but not short enough from Matt Henry, who bowled very well today for New Zealand. He went to pull it, got a uh, a top edge, and went straight up uh, in the air, and the wicketkeeper Tom Blundell came from behind the stumps to take the wicket. This is what Mitch Marsh had to say today. Mitchell Marsh, thanks for joining us. All told, an excellent day's test cricket. Let's start at the end, though. What a moment for Cameron Green, 100 away from home, like that in those circumstances. You must be very proud yourself for him. Yeah, very proud. Um, I think we all are. Um, I think probably more so the way he went about his innings today, um, walking at bowlers, being nice and positive. Um, he looked really clear and calm from ball one. So, um, look, it's a fantastic innings for us to get us back in the game. And, um, 
we're all very happy for him. There were moments when it looked like it might just fade away a wee bit, wickets falling in quick succession, not able to really press home any advantage you were gaining at different points through the course of the afternoon, which sort of reinforces how important it is at number four that he's taken this step today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we could have easily been 4.50 at lunch. Um, there was lots of swing, plenty of seam. Um, so the way, firstly, our openers and go to their way through that, navigated their way through that, was um, was outstanding. And then, obviously, Greeny to, to bat with pretty much everyone, um, get a couple of little partnerships. We won't necessarily know what's par until we bowled, I guess, and hopefully there's still enough in it there tomorrow. But um, a fantastic, fantastic innings for a young kid. And you always said you play a big brother role to him as a fellow Western Australian. You use the word pride a lot. Um, just what he's been through already in his young career, making number four to zone, what it's taken him four innings to get there. Yeah, well, I think um, anytime we've had lots of um, extremely talented young kids come in and play for Australia over a, uh, the course of uh, Australian cricket. Um, so there's always that added bit of pressure externally, but... Um, Green is learning his trade at the highest level and um, we saw today how, how good he is. Um, like I said, I think the clarity that he batted with. Um, he's an imposing figure, walking at bowlers just to defend and get them off their lengths. That's the sort of stuff that maybe takes a little bit of time to, I guess, back yourself to do at this level. Um, but today was, um, that's Cameron Green and uh, gee, how good was it? And just a bit on your knock, Mitch Marsh. The Mitch Marsh counter-attack seems to be a theme uh, for this test summer. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily see it as a counter-attack. I think it's just the way I fight. <laughs> um, and at times when you're 4 for 80, it can look like that. But, yeah, look, um, I've had the same intent for a while now and um, had a little bit of luck. And uh, as everyone who gets 40 says, I would have loved a few more. But um, it was nice to have that little partnership and, I guess, get a little bit of momentum back in our change room with Greeny. Um, but, you know, all in all, that's a pretty great day's test cricket, I thought. And it gives you the opportunity tomorrow to come out and bat again. I mean, get it towards 300, whatever it ends up being. And then you and the rest of the bowling group get a crack on that. You must be quite excited about the proposition. Yeah, I try not to get too excited because I'm probably seventh in line, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, as I said, I, I mean, hopefully we've got um, probably a little bit below par, but um, there's still going to be plenty in it tomorrow. Um, and, you know, we've seen what our attack can do. So um, a few early ones and we'll see what happens. All right, Mitch, thanks as ever for joining us on SCNTS Cricket. Thanks, gents. Got Adam Collins and Barat Sandarason talking there to our very own Mitch Marsh, who top scored or second top scored to Cameron Green. 103 not out, Cameron Green. And Mitch Marsh making 40 off only 39 balls. He hit six fours and one six. So 30 of his 40 runs came in boundaries. Just in some other news that's breaking, well, it's basically been released just a short time ago that the Peel Thunder Football Club is under the microscope because two of their footballers have been suspended because of inappropriate conduct. Uh, both involved in separate lewd incidents at a pre-season camp, according to the West. Uh, now, Peel Thunder's Jack Eilert, who's 19, has been stood down for the season after making an inappropriate sexual comment towards a female associated with the club at the camp. And it's also been revealed his teammate Michael Selwood, 20 years of age, has also been hit with a one-game suspension after a separate crude incident involving a teammate during the same event. Peel, by the way, held the camp down south over the weekend, last weekend. Uh, in fact, a couple of weekends ago, the 17th and the 18th. Uh, the Peel Thunder Football Club has responded strongly to inappropriate conduct during a recent club count and taken immediate action to hand down the penalties 
to the individuals involved. Uh, and the biggest penalty is to Jack Eilert. He's been stood down for the season after making an inappropriate uh, sexual comment towards a female associated with the club at the camp, as reported. All right, uh, let's just also look what's coming up on the program. And you can join us on the text machine as well, uh, 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line, which is 13 12 55. Uh, A couple early, Darren says, Pete, hope uh, Crude Australia realises Sheffield Shield is still the best place to gain form. Well, Cameron Green has made a... Mm, a plethora of runs at Sheffield Shield Cricket. That's where he's learnt the art of competitive cricket at a very high level on the back end of WA success over the last uh, three summers. And uh, now he's taken it to the next level. I agree with him. Uh, but it's not any compensation for Cameron Bancroft, who, as we know, has made a lot of runs in Sheffield Shield Cricket, yet hasn't been able to break back into the Australian cricket team. Lisa Ellenbrook says, Hi, Pete and team. In your opinion, would you be in favour on the AFL bringing in the best of three grand final? Definitely not for me and definitely not for me, Lisa, as well. I I don't think it makes any sense. Um, Best of three, you know, it's such a... A physical game, it's played over an extended period of time. You'd probably have to play it over two weeks, uh, a best of three grand final. So you play a Saturday, then when do you play the second game when they're looking at five or six day breaks? Then maybe you play it on a Friday night, game two, and if required, when do you play game three if you're looking at a five the following weekend? So it could almost take in three weekends to play a th- best of three uh, grand final. And also the wear and tear after a long, arduous season will make it very, very difficult. And it may detract, actually, from the spectacle of a grand final because of that fatigue and that wear and tear. Some players may struggle if they've got to play more than just the one game. As we know, some players just get up for the grand final, taking all these niggling injuries into the season decider and uh, then confess uh, it was hard going because of those niggling injuries. So I agree with you, Lise. So don't worry about that. Coming up shortly, uh, a special here on uh, Sports Day WA on this Thursday night. There's a lot of people that follow the Formula One season. And the Drive to Survive series has brought in a whole new generation of sports lovers that are invested in Formula One. We've been captivated by the likes of Daniel Ricciardo here from Western Australia and his story. Before that, from an Australian perspective, there was Mark Webber and now there's Oscar Piastri. I invited a short time ago before he flew out to Bahrain because this weekend is the first of the F1 Grand Prix uh, ahead of the 2024 season. His name is Kim Illman. He's a local. Uh, I first met him in the media many, many years ago. Uh, He's the guy that developed a a very successful business called Messages on Hold, and you may have heard of that. Remember behind the goals at Subiaco Oval with all the ambush marketing where people used to hold up Messages on Hold signs? And in the end, they had to try and clamp down on it because it was they were being shown televised around the country and he used to employ these young people to smuggle these signs in basically and uh, try and get some exposure on TV. It was called ambush marketing. Well, Kim Illman has gone on from that. He's now the first accredited Formula One photographer slash journalist. He does both. You may have followed him on social media. He's got his own YouTube channel. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a chat with him. I spoke to him, as I said, a few days ago before he flew out to Bahrain for the F1 Grand Prix. He gets up close and personal with the F1 drivers, with the people that are pivotal in the uh, Formula One scene. It's it's a huge, huge uh, operation, Formula One. So very shortly, I'll feature, it's a two-part interview with Kim Ullman about Formula One. Get his predictions, get his thoughts also on the circuits, and he's been doing it since 2017. I hope you find it engaging. I certainly did. And uh, we'll feature that as we build up to the start of the Formula One season. And as we know, it's heading down under to uh, Melbourne as well. We'll take a break uh, and we'll come back with part one of that interview on the break here on Sports Day WA. The new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, uh, Formula One uh, accredited photographer Kim Illman joins us here on Sports Day WA. It's a rare day being back in Perth. Uh, I know you don't spend much time here. Now, I'm just going to cast a picture on when we first met. We both worked at Channel 9 eons ago. You were the audio engineer there. I remember meeting you. And, of course, then you left and you're the man behind messages on hold and the start of ambush marketing, as it was termed those days. And here you are. Of course, you've done other things in between, but here you are since 2017, the only Australian Formula One accredited photographer. Yep. Now, if someone said to me when I met you in the studios of Channel 9, you'd be doing this, I'd say, there's no way Kim would be doing this. So can I ask you, how come you went down that road? It was not planned. I went to the last race of the year, Abu Dhabi 2016. I've uh, paid up big money for a Red Bull seat and I'm in the hospitality area having lots of fun and I'll go down to the garage and I've got the headphones on. I'm listening to Daniel Ricciardo talk to his engineer. And it's all quiet and really lovely and I'm hearing all this intimate stuff between him and his engineer that you don't get to listen to mm-hmm. unless you pay the big money. I thought, well, this is great. Hey, I might try photographing this because I'd just done um, a wildlife book and I'd spent 26 weeks over two and a half years in Africa photographing wildlife. I loved it. My wife loved it. She came on every trip and some of the trips I brought my kids as well. But I thought, I don't want to do any more photography of wildlife, but this might entertain me. So I just applied through the FIA. I sent the guy in question, the media guy, a very interesting package, Uh, laid out what I thought I could do for him and um, he approved me. (laughs) (laughs) Because you said to him, I gather, just uh, looking back at uh, what you tried to do, you said you'd take a different approach to photography for Formula One. What was the different approach that you were so-called sounding out the authorities about? Well, look, I'm not the, I'm not a great photographer. I'm an okay photographer. No, but I've seen your stuff. It's engaging. It's quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, but my I'm a marketer, and uh, there's so many pictures of cars out there that I was never going to compete with car photographers. And there's no money in that anyway, um, unless you're the best in the world. And I was never going to get there. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to focus on the people. And it took a while before I even got interested in Instagram. I hated it. I was about 18 months into my um, period of photographing F1, and then my son said, oh, you should get on Instagram. I thought, oh, I don't even know how it works. And well, I know how it works now. I'm intimately involved. I've got 420,000 followers, and it's a marvellous platform for building a brand, 
and then um, I got into YouTube, and then I got into TikTok. So it's it's just growing. And I could I'd like to say that I had this very definite plan, but no, nah, I haven't. I've just sort of fallen into different things along the way. So the journey started when you got your accreditation in 2017. You're mm-hmm. about to embark on the season of 2024. Bahrain's only a few days away. Did you? Feel at your age that you'd be still doing it almost a decade on? No. No, I thought if I get, um, I didn't even know what length of tenure I thought I could handle. But I've come this far and I just see it's just ready to break. Something's going to happen. Like last year, uh, all this different stuff happened around the Las Vegas race. And I, I got three times my normal revenue out of YouTube for November. I thought, wow. I didn't think I could do that. And suddenly I see some numbers and I see the, um, the requests I'm getting from people for all sorts of uh, collaborations. And I think I'm on the, the cusp of something big. I could be wrong. Cusp of something big. But mm. it is a big money sport. You know, we look at the F1, the teams, the money the drivers make, the manufacturers, everybody that's involved with it. Yep. Where do you fit in the scheme of things as an F1 photographer, and how many F1 photographers are there with you shoulder to shoulder at these events? Anywhere from about 70 to probably 150. 70 would be Bahrain um, and the lesser sort of races far away from Europe. 150 would be Barcelona. Let me just cut in there. So when you actually shot your very first race back in 2017, mm-hmm. did you get some crude looks from the established photographers? No one could. No one Cared less. No one cared? No, they, they, I was just nothing. I was just wandering around in the background. A couple of blokes chatted with me, but really I was I was no one. Um, however, once you get to a point where you get quite well known, then um, you get noticed by a lot of people and perhaps some of them aren't too happy about it. So there's professional jealousy in your sport or in your oh, profession? Yeah. It, it'll be like anywhere else. Hey, who's this guy? I've been doing this 20 years and this guy's come in and suddenly he's got 100,000 followers. Um, so, yeah, look, I expect that. I'm not so naive to think that everyone's going to be hunky-dory with mm. me. But really, I'm not taking any money out of, well, hardly anyone's pocket. I, I'm doing my own thing and I've got to a stage now where I, I'm a photojournalist. I'm not just a photographer. and I, I work for a number of different groups and people and just it changes all the time. Yeah. Do you have to cut everything for social media? Are you the person that is front and centre regarding all this stuff that you send out? Because I've seen quite a bit of it. Right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I did at the start was uh, when I got stuck into YouTube and Instagram, I would post from the track and I would be sitting in the paddock. I'd take a photo of you walking in and I'd transfer it to my phone by pressing a button. I voice to text the caption. I post it on Instagram. I fix the spelling mistakes that I often put in there. And then at the end of the night, I'd go back to the room and I'd record a video. And then I'd edit the video that night or on the Monday after. And that would take anywhere from four to seven hours and I'd post it. But that, that was just too much work. And now I've got myself a video editor. My son, Jace, is coming with me to a number of races. He now helps me with the social media. And still I do the stuff from the track where I'll post a picture of Charles coming in in red hair. So that's up within four minutes if the internet's good. But the videos now, and I'll give you an example. Um, Las Vegas, we had the big incident with Carlos's car. I was on the, in the right spot and I witnessed everything and I was talking to people and getting all this inval- invaluable information. And then I go back to the media centre and because there was that big extended gap, I had nothing to do. And my son rings me, he says, because it's daytime in Perth, 
oh, you got to put a, you got to record a video now about that. And I go, oh, it's going to, no, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. Oh, all right. So I go take my camera and make some points. Jay sends me some points and I've got 15 or so. Sit and record this thing and I send the whole lot back to Perth and I wipe my hands of it. And then Jack, my editor, he busily edits. And at the end of the session, the second session, the video goes up because I've got some rules about what I can do. And at the end of the second session, it goes up. And it just went crazy. Uh, 600,000 views in a day. That's the best I've ever seen. And that's what put me on to this. Now I have to be more uh, on the spot. Mm. I have to do stuff quickly and not wait until the Monday. Because it's old news Monday. Tell us about the environment around F1. As I said, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of egos. There's a lot of personalities. How do you handle all them? And, and what's your general perception of the sport from a professional point of view? It, it's a phenomenal sport to be involved in because you've got such huge megastars. And those 20 drivers and two or three team principals are huge. And they are mobbed when they get into the track, more so now because of Drive to Survive, not so much in 2017 when I started. Um, Can I just say, what has Drive to Survive done for Formula One? It's brought a whole new generation of followers, hasn't it? Yeah, and everybody's got their camera out and they all want selfies. That's what it's all about now. They didn't care about the drivers. They just want the selfie. And they'll pass, they'll get a selfie with a driver and they'll pass and they'll say, who is that? They don't care. Uh, not, not all, but some don't mm. care. And I think it's a really uh, embarrassing situation for drivers where they're just treated as uh, props, photo props. But, look, I, I, the people in F1 are great in general, really, really nice people. They're all hardworking. Um, I, I'm pretty much now known to all of them, and they know me, which is good. Uh, I get smiles out of drivers that others don't because they know me, and they, they know that if it's a good picture, they can, they, by the time they get back to their hospitality suite, having walked through the swipe gates, they can actually have a look on their phone and see that picture. No one else does that. That's my next question. I've seen a lot of your pictures, a lot of your photographs that you've taken. You know, you have headlines, women in the paddock, and, of course, you photograph, you know, the drivers, you know, maybe with their partners and mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. How do you get permission to take those photographs when a lot of these professional sports people are quite private? Every person that enters the track has signed a form saying that you agree to be photographed and videoed, and the people who are taking these photos... And, and if you don't agree, Kip... Well, you can't come in because... It's you, simple as that. Yeah, by the fact that you've swiped your ticket in, you've, you've agreed. It's, it's on the back of the ticket. By entering the venue, you agree to these principles. Uh, and if you don't, well, you don't go to the race. If you're that precious that you don't want to be photographed, you don't come to a race. You've got, as I said, 150 photographers. A lot of the times there'll be 100 of them in the paddock. You've got probably 10 TV cameras. There's no way mm. you can expect any privacy. So is there any... Part of it where there's a no-go zone as far as you're concerned, is there somewhere where you can't go? We, we, don't, we don't take photos in the hospitality suites. That's just poor form. Mm -hmm. If we go in there for a meal, we don't take photos. Uh, in terms of where I can go, I can go anywhere, certainly in the paddock. I can go to pit lane once uh, during P1, 2 or 3, although if it's a sprint weekend, it's only P1. So I, I can get one session in there and I can shoot from there. And then a couple of times a year I'll apply for a pit wall tabard, which means I can stand on the pit wall during a race and there's nothing like it. And I'll give you an example down at um, Turn 1 in Brazil. They're all coming towards you and then you've got nothing above waist height. You're completely open and you've got 20 cars all braking heavily and you just hope that none of them ride up high and jump the fence because 
Yeah, you you are. Well, admittedly, they're all going a little bit slower than if they were doing three hundred. But yeah, there's no doubt it's it's a dangerous thing. But apart from red zones and pit lane for most of the weekend, we can shoot pretty much anywhere. We can go in the grandstands if we're allowed. We can go out in the public and shoot people. Uh, we get into the moat and stand trackside. We shoot through track windows and we shoot through the wire as well. Mm. When you look at the Australians, we've had Daniel Ricciardo, the Dunkraig boy from Perth, Western Australia. Oscar Piastri, of course, has come on the scene. Daniel always seems to be smiling in your photographs. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your relationship with the Aussies. Uh, Daniel's great. I know his parents very well. In fact, um, my wife and Daniel's mother found the world's oldest message in a bottle at Wedge Island going back a number Get of years. Get out. No, you should look that up on my website. <laughs> Is that right? KimIllman.com. <laughs> and then there was some story saying, was it a beat-up? Was Daniel Ricardo's parents involved in a beat-up? Of course, anyone yeah. puts Daniel Ricardo in a headline, it's going to be read, but... Uh, no, I get on well with Daniel. I speak to him. We laughed. Um, in fact, last year, halfway through the year, I'd been up to his farm with his dad and had a look around, and he had a cow that was put down because it was it was a bull, maybe. We got a bit cranky. And I, I saw him the next race, and I, we stopped and chatted for about three minutes about this cow <laughs> that I'd seen uh, in a hole in the ground. But, yeah, D- Daniel's great. He is a very much a showman and uh, a delight. Is he still going out with Gerhard Berger's yeah. daughter? Well, the last I know, yeah. She's an, an attractive young lady. Oh, and she's And she's they, make, they actually look like a very nice couple, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny how that came about, too, because it was in Saudi Arabia last year or the year prior, and I saw her walking in with him carrying his – no, not with him, with his trainer carrying uh, his bag. And I thought, right, well, that's it. That's, that's <laughs> the admission that it's on because, of course, as with any of these relationships, it's all very private. And I get all these people sending me stuff. Oh, Charles going out with this one or George is going out with this mm. one. And I can't do anything unless I see them at the track. And but most, of the, most of the females I speak to, in fact, yeah, I pretty much all of the female girlfriends I speak to and most of them are delighted to have photographs, and often they'll want to vet them. Oh, I don't like that one. Don't put that one up. Is that right? So, yeah, they're just normal people, and a lot of them are models, so it's important how they look. Kim Illman there, the only Australian accredited photographer with the Formula One Grand Prix season getting underway this weekend in Bahrain. I caught up with Kim just before he departed. After the break, we'll go inside the characters and the personalities, the F1 drivers and some of his favourite tracks and their idiosyncrasies uh, that they deliver around the world. That's coming up next here on Sports Day WI. The new, refined, seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years and Nutrient Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Just before we head to part two of the interview with Kim Ilman, the NBL finals are getting wild and you can be part of it. Catch the Wildcats in action as they take on Tasmanian Jack Jumpers Friday night at RAC Arena. Tip-off is 630 so let's get behind our Perth Wildcats and tickets are available from Ticketek. And don't forget, being a long weekend this weekend, double demerits apply from midnight tonight until midnight Monday for speeding or using a mobile phone or radar detector while driving. Get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. We kick off segment two, speaking to the only accredited Formula One photographer in Australia and he stems 
from WA. He's been doing it since 2017, Kim Hillman. And we kicked off part two of the chat about the drivers. And the first one was Lewis Hamilton with his fancy attire and all his bling. What is he really like? He's a guaranteed seller. I also shoot for Getty Images and uh, you put a picture up of Lewis and you know it's going to be in GQ, um, all of these fashion magazines, Vogue and everything. And I, I always monitor where my stuff comes up and I'm amazed at where this comes up. But yeah, he's... So he's the, is he the most marketable of the 20 drivers? Uh, or is, no, is, no, Mac, is the Max getting the, there? Max is terrible for me. I, I is get that no right, Max cuts. Verstappen? He is he's the best driver by mile. What do you win, 17 last year? Uh, he won... I think he won 17. I can't remember. Anyway. He won a lot and he'll probably win more this year. But he just doesn't do well for me. He's so... I'm not saying plain... But he probably is. He, he's just plain. Has he, he got the charisma? No, he has no charisma. He's a lovely bloke, and, we, and I chat occasionally with him. But he's not there to be Lewis. He's not there to be Lando or Daniel. He's there to be Max, and he does it like nobody else. Uh, Lewis, getting back to your point of uh, your, your comment, um, you don't often speak to Lewis. I've had a few chats with him, but it's normally late at night, no one around, because he's always got Lloyd, his security guy there, and I get on very well with Lloyd. But if, if there's 10 photographers taking a photo of Lewis... You're not going to go up and hey, have a chat with Lewis in front of ten photographers. They'll go furious at you. Mm. So yeah, you, you time your your chat right. But um, most of them, in fact, I've spoken to all of them, and some are more approachable than others. Um, the likes of Perez is quiet. He doesn't care. Just wanders through the paddock. Stroll, same thing. Rolando, he's bouncing around. Al, Albon's great. George, they're all just lovely guys to speak to. No one's rude. No one's arrogant, as far as I can see. So, uh, yeah, and I spend a lot of time with them. I'll do this year, I'll do 1,200 hours photographing F1. Unbelievable. 1,200. Kim Hillman was speaking too, of course, the accredited, the only accredited F1 photographer uh, from Australia, and he's a local lad, uh, done good. Can I ask you about the Grand Prix? You go to Bahrain, you go to Azerbaijan, you go to Saudi, you go to Singapore, you go to Melbourne. Um, they're all, I gather, very much different or very much the same because you're basically – in an F1 environment? We don't often get out and tour these cities. We roll up on a Wednesday typically uh, and we're at the track early Thursday morning and then we leave uh, Sunday night from the track and I normally fly perhaps on a Monday. So We don't get really to see too much of the cities. Uh, are they the same? Yes, in so much as it's the same media day and three days of track events. But it's just different surrounds. You've got your night lights of the, the night races, and Vegas was a great race last year in terms of um, photos for me. But then you've got interesting places like Jeddah and Bahrain where just the paperwork to get in is phenomenal. Mm. Oh, yeah, and they want to know everything about you, and China's even worse. So um, those are quite a drain. Um, but then... And you get places like in Europe where it's nothing. Once you're into Europe, it's fine. They don't want to know anything about you. But, yeah, we're, we're very lucky with F1 because they send us all the details. So to give an example about Bahrain, we get all the paperwork and we've got someone at the Bahrain International Circuit and we deal with them. And they do your visa for you. Same with Saudi, the Saudi SAGP. And, and that's fantastic because all you, all you have to do is wait for that email from Formula One saying, here, fill in this form, send it back to this person, and it's inevitably the main thing is a spreadsheet line with about 10 pieces of information and then they you send that to them and they send you a few more things about equipment you're bringing in and where what media hotels you want and away you go 
we are fated like you would not believe. It's quite phenomenal, and I'm very thankful for the support we get from Formula One and FIA. Have you got a favourite circuit where you enjoy working? I love photographing Monaco. Monaco. It's just beautiful. With the boats in the harbour. Yeah, and and it's tough to get around, uh, but it's a short circuit, so that's got that going for it. You're probably going to ask my worst. It's China. (laughs) I I don't love it. It's out in some area that's not got much around it. Uh, The track's... The track's not bad for racing, I think. Not that I'm a motoring person. I've got mm. not much idea about cars or anything, but I'm pretty good with people. But you know, half half the stands are covered in um, signage and it just lacks any real atmosphere. What about drivers? Have you got one that you've got a soft spot for? I've got several, but I never talk about my favourite driver because it, it just never – there's no value in that for me mm. because, oh, why aren't I your favourite driver, even if they cared. But, look, um, uh, Daniel, Lando – Good I think I saw a photo of Charles. you and Lando recently. Was it you and Lando that you posted? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, seem pretty chummy. Well, we talk. And um, Pierre Gasly's fantastic. O- Ocon's great. Look, I could just go through the whole lot. And I probably don't – the ones I probably don't spend much time talking to, and we mentioned Lewis, Perez, Stroll. Verstappen. Uh, Verstappen, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's too busy. I might have a chat with him at the end of the year yeah. <laughs> on a quiet day at testing. But otherwise, they, they get in that, they get out of their car and they've got to get the hospitality suite. And they've got a walk of anywhere from a minute to four minutes. Mm. And their focus is to get to that hospitality suite and away from everybody. It's interesting when you look at your business and the way you operate now. It's quite phenomenal. As I said, I follow you and I find it very interesting. I Like you, I'm not immersed in F1, but I'm a sports broadcaster, so I take a general interest in in what's going on, particularly when Daniel Ricciardo, of course, was uh, at the peak, if we mm-hmm. can say it that way. You've got your own YouTube channel. Uh, you do a lot on social media. And then you've also organised at times where you have live chats yeah. and you advertise that and you say it's this time in the in the Americas, this time in the Pacific, this time wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. How do they go? Oh, they're like anywhere from a few hundred people to a couple of thousand, depending. And they just want to ask you questions like I'm asking you questions yeah. now. Yeah, they'll... Always, what's your favourite track? Um, who's your favourite driver? I, f- I feel like I should have a ticker running along the bottom, Monaco, and I don't have a favourite driver. But I also do live at um, the tracks. So on a Friday at certain tracks, I'll say, I'll be down here, come and have a chat. And what people do is they buy one of my F1 books or they buy um, a print or something from me, and they'll bring that along and I'll sign it and chat. Mm-hmm. I think the most I've had is about 130 at Austin, which is... Is that right? Yeah, America's my biggest market by a mile. They love, they love sign collaborations because I do sign prints with the likes of Piastri and Fernando and um, Alex, Gunter Steiner, Toto Wolfers. I've done these great sign print deals. And half of the sales, 50 to 60% come out of the US. Hardly anything out of Europe. Is that right? Yeah. Europe, Britain's good. Australia's good. Canada, Netherlands, not bad. But apart from that, I just don't have – I've got an audience in those countries, but – it just appears. It's mainly the English-speaking countries you're yeah, talking about. The Americans love anything like that. My books, my calendars. Anything. But they like motorsport, don't they? Really, yeah. they've been brought up on Daytona and Indianapolis and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, and what you're doing, as you said at the top of the interview, I wanted my accreditation to offer something different to the Formula One market. Mm. Are you satisfied that you are now offering something different? Yeah, and this year I'm ramping it up to a degree like you won't believe. Last year. I tried to do a video every second day, so I probably average three videos out of seven. Uh, now, I think with 
some fine-tuning, I should be able to get a video a day up from the track. So that's four videos over the four days, plus at least two on the next two. So I should be doing six videos a week. What about the sport, Kim? Uh, you were there in 2017, and you've been at every meeting since then. Mm-hmm. Is it getting stronger? There's been a couple of controversies. Uh, there's maybe people are saying it's a bit unfortunately predictable with Max Verstappen winning most races. How do you see the sport going forward? Well, I'd like to see someone else win. Yeah. That'd be nice. But then again, when Lewis was winning, I wanted to see someone else win. Now I've got someone else winning. I'd like to see Lewis win again. Mm. I just want to see that raw emotion. For me, I'm looking for some guy in tears out the back of, and it may sound harsh, but you want to see that. You want to see the emotion. You want to see someone high-fiving his teammate or his, um, his people in the team because they've never got a podium. You want to see someone win for the first time. I'm so keen that Lando has a win this year. Mm. And I think Oscar's going to have a win too, a feature race win. And in those instances, I won't go back to the media centre after. I will stay out with that driver. If it's Like if it's Max wins, I won't spend any time because you can just use the pictures from last race of him winning. They're exactly the same. But if it's a new winner, I'll stay with them for at least two or three hours afterwards and just continue photographing and following him and getting all these stories. And then I'll do a video about Lando's first win and I'll have all of this information that no one has because all the other photographers are back in the media centre madly getting their stuff out to their clients. Mm. I don't have to do that. Kim, uh, if you had to make some predictions on the eve of the start of the F1 season for 2024... Can you give us your insight on what you'd like to happen maybe this year? Uh, what could possibly happen this year? Have you got a, maybe a, a bit of a prediction on possibly even maybe the F1 championship? I think it would be Max Verstappen again, but anything outside that? Um, you would know just as much as me, but yeah. I, I, I want to see Lando win a race. I think we will. I think we'll see Fernando on the podium again. I think he's still hungry enough. Maybe Lewis will win a, win a race this year. I've done a prediction of where I think people will finish. And I had George, I think, in at second. I think Ferrari will struggle again. <laughs> they just, I don't know. They, they promise so much mm. and just under-deliver all the time. But, look, it's a tough sport. Um, what else do I think? Yeah, Max will win. He'll win. Even if even if there's drama in the team and the Christian thing all turns to um, yeah. negative stuff and, and the, the team's in turmoil, I think he's just that good a driver. And the car's already built. It's not going to go backwards because you've got drama in the team. So, yeah, my money would be on Max, and he's a very short price favourite, and yeah. uh, rightfully so. So people listening in to Sports Day WA and are really absolutely engrossed with uh, the conversation that I've had with you, if they want to find out more and explore what Kim Illman is all about, what do they need to do? They go to Instagram for a start, and they follow me there because almost everyone in Formula 1 in that paddock follows me, and they learn so much – They'll want to think, oh, they might want to know, has Lewis arrived? Hang on. Oh, yeah, Kim, Kim said Lewis has arrived. Mm. Or what's happened over there? Oh, there was a crash on that corner. I've got that crash. So, yeah, you learn a lot of stuff from from my stuff. You're not going to see a plethora of lovely arty car picks. If I get a good one, I'll put one up. But more so, you're going to see what the drivers are doing, uh, what time they've arrived. Uh, and then you should definitely subscribe to me on YouTube because, as I said, I should be doing about six videos a week now. And on I pretty much cover the stuff that you can't see. If TV's doing it, I don't do it. There's no point. But sometimes I'm out in the car park and I witness something that goes on and I'm the only person there. So I'm the only one with that information. Mm. If you want to know what happened, you've got to, you've got to listen to me. I'll gladly tell you if I see it. And if you're, um, if you're on TikTok, just search Kim Elman. Kim with a Y. 
I-double-L-M-A-N. TikTok's good. There's no creator fund in Australia, so you don't make a cent. But it's good for, I guess, brand and and people knowing what you're up to. Good on you, mate. Lovely to see you. Congratulations on what you've achieved. I've been wanting to have a chat with Kim Illman. Kim with the Y, as you mentioned, uh, for a while, because I do follow what you've done, and congratulations. Uh, You've opened up a brand new world when it comes to followers of Formula One, and keep it going. And I'm happy to uh, share what I see with everyone. Thanks to Kim Illman for taking the time out to join us here in the SENWA studio just before he flew out to Bahrain, where, of course, uh, the first session of practice starts tonight, our time. We'll take a break and wrap up Sports Day WA for the week after these messages. The new, refined, seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years and Nutrient Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Uh, Just repeating the double demerit supply from midnight tonight until midnight Monday for drink or drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light, get caught and you could lose your licence twice as fast. Just updating the headlines again today. Australia has fought back to reach nine for 279 on the first day of the first test against New Zealand at Wellington's Basin Reserve. Our very own Cameron Green played a critical innings of 103 not out to see Australia to a respectable target after New Zealand's quicks took control in the middle session on a pitch that got progressively harder to bat on It's Green's second test century, and it came at a critical time for both his team and him as a player. By the way, New Zealand won the toss, and they put Australia in on a green wicket in an overcast day. And the tourists, for the most part, found the going fairly tough. In footy news, Fremantle were without young Ford Jai Amos, who's got a court quad for its match against Port Adelaide in Adelaide tomorrow night. Luke Jackson... It will miss. He's got concussion. Michael Frederick, a hamstring. Uh, Tom Emmett, illness. And Nathan O'Driscoll, knee. Uh, Port, by the way, will be without Mitch Georgiades. So just repeating, Port Adelaide Frio tomorrow night over there in Adelaide. And Saturday night, it's the West Coast Eagles against the Adelaide Crows. And finally, this is an interesting story where bookmakers have been banned from Victoria's famous Easter athletics event, the Stall Gift, dubbed Australia's richest foot race, It's been a long-standing tradition for on-course bookmakers to take bets at the event, which has great intrigue for punters due to the handicap starts. Now, the Stall Gift is also Australia's oldest short-distance running race. Dates back to 1878. It's 146 years. Amazing. Bookmakers and punters have been synonymous with the races, which attracts a massive crowd. But now the Stall Athletic Club has revealed that on-course bookies are no more. And uh, back to footy, by the way, if you haven't heard the news, Kangaroo supporters, uh, you've locked away prized asset Harry Sheasel until the end of 2030 with Young Gun signing a contract extension. Good news for the Kangas. Finally, here's a quick community update thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. 
visit dfest.wa.gov.au. And this community update is thanks to the new fire coat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions and available at Bunnings Warehouse. That's it for Sports Day WA this week. Thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre and Nutrien Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Last day of summer today. And we will be back on Monday when it will be autumn between five and six on the Labor Day holiday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Catch you Monday. O'Rourke bowls full green, smashes it down the ground and lands just safe of the mid-on. And he starts with a four. O'Rourke bowls to him. Green at the wide ball. Clouts it out through the offside. And he'll beat wide extra cover. And get the boundary to go to 99. And Cam Green with two balls to go in the day's play is on 99. O'Rourke bowls to him. Green cuts. That's gold for Cam Green. He cuts the boundary and brings up his century. For this day, for this test, but for the future... This is the coming of age innings.